0: Hi, friends. It's Clea and Joanna. We are best friends and we co-founded a company together called The Home Edit. We may be professional organizers, but our lives are pretty chaotic. When our lives get too crazy, we have each other to lean on. Because that's really what best friends are for. Join us each week as we talk and laugh about life's chaos with each other, old friends, new friends, and of course, you. From Sony Music Entertainment, Hello Sunshine, The Home Edit, and something else, Best Friend Energy is now available. Listen to Best Friend Energy on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Tales from the Bay podcast, Larry Kruger, joined by Ryan Smith, as we talk a little 49er football for all of our 49er fans abroad and, of course, around the world. All right, Ryan, week one goes to the Bears. Bears beat the Niners at Soldier Field uh, in what turned into a quagmire in the fourth quarter. Uh, The Bears get a win. They they dominated the second half of the game. Niners led at halftime. Then it was 19-0 Bears to finish. Give me your takeaway. You know, on this podcast feed, I believe that uh, we
2: uploaded sort of our re- instant reactions. And, you know, we had a pretty good little funny debate going for like 30 minutes on the play of Trey Lance. And it's, you know, how it affected the game. I got to say, you know, a couple days later, I've cooled off. I rewatched the tape. I watched the coach's tape. And Trey played much better than I thought he did. It, it, he... The conditions were also worse than I realized. The wide receivers could not get any separation. Jeff Wilson, we can say, oh, maybe he's, you know, a little bit past his, his prime. He's not the same guy. He couldn't cut. You know, he could only go straight. It, he couldn't cut. And if you watch the way Trey was running, he was running like a fullback, like, uh, Mike Barks said, he was running like a fullback, but that's because there was no uh, ability to go laterally in that, in that, in those conditions. So I actually thought Trey, I have to say, I was expecting those deep passes. I was expecting them to be wide open and kind of just a Shanahan, you know, Nick Mullins got those throws, but actually they were better throws than I realized. And yeah, that one missed opportunity to crop was brutal, but, Overall, I, I was pretty happy. I went through and I was like positive or negative for every single play or neutral. And it was it was way more positive than negative. I mean, Trey actually looked more poised. And um, I just got to say, I think that this the, the the conditions affected the Niners so much more than the Bears. So,
1: well, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things you can say about this game. I mean, just Why did the 49ers lose to the Bears? I mean, it's easy to say, ah, Trey Lance, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. And we'll get into Trey Lance. Uh, He made some great throws. He missed some throws. Uh, He had a fourth-quarter interception to Eddie Jackson, where he threw it low. And Jackson read read his eyes, and he stared down his receiver. And, I mean, that's what young quarterbacks do. They stare down their receivers. They hold the ball too long. Trey held the ball too long on a third-quarter screen pass. It led to a penalty where Jake Brendel was downfield um you know legally downfield because because trey held the ball too long and that was a key third down he overthrew tyler croft for what could have been a first quarter touchdown pass um, he threw behind juan jennings on a third and three uh, he missed a, a second quarter screen pass to debo samuel Um, He threw the ball too low on third and nine in the second quarter uh, and that caused, you know, led to a punt. Missed Debo on a swing pass in the third quarter but, and to me, one of the bigger mistakes was the third and goal play in the third quarter where Trey held the ball too long and took a sack and took him out of field goal range. So, he made some mistakes, but you know, we're talking about a 22-year-old quarterback and that's the one thing I think people kind of lose sight of in this thing. It's a 22 year old quarterback who didn't play very much in college and is making his third NFL start. And I saw this today. Trey Lance, his third NFL start last week against the Bears, his final numbers, 13 of 28, 164 yards, no touchdowns, the one pick and they lose Josh Allen, who right now, in my mind, might be the best quarterback in the league. His third NFL start, he was 16 of 33, 151 yards, no touchdowns and two picks you know Trey Lance is 22. When Josh Allen was 22, he was completing 53% of his of his passes and had more touch more interceptions and touchdowns. Mahomes when he was 22 wasn't even starting yet. So I think people just need to put the whole Trey Lance thing in perspective. But why did the Niners lose? Too many penalties, too many, um too many missed tackles on defense. Debo Samuel fumbled in the red zone. Uh Mike McGlinchy got beat for a key sack by Dominique Robinson on a third down in the first quarter. That ended a key drive. Uh the Niners at times lost contain on Justin Fields. Drake Jackson and Samson Ebcom both lost contain on Fields for some big gainers. Then you took away Elijah Mitchell. You know, he got knocked out with the second quarter knee injury and didn't play the second half. Jeff Wilson didn't run nearly as effectively in the second half as Mitchell had done in the first half. Uh, Sammy Womack dropped a pick six, could have been a pick six in the first play of the game. Tayshawn Gibson dropped a key interception in the third quarter uh, and then and then the penalties I mean let's get right into it Trey Greenlaw had two horrible penalties that extended two Bears touchdown drives Green and Hafanga had a communication breakdown on a busted coverage that led to the equanimous St. Brown touchdown the defense had a brutal busted coverage on the Dante Pettis touchdown in the third quarter where you know Fields ran to his left and just kept his eyes peeled on Pettis and the Niners lost him in coverage we'll hear from Jimmy Ward later at during this podcast about that particular play. Um, Charverius Ward had a really bad call go against him on a defensive hold on a third and nine that extended a drive when he was trying to defend Pettis and he was locking him up and it should never have been called. That extended a drive. Um, I thought Kyle Shanahan kind of blew it in this game. He opted to punt on fourth and one in the third quarter when the Niners had lost momentum after the Pettis touchdown and they were still up 10-7. They're, they're fourth and one on their own 41-yard line. They're not backed up inside their 10.
2: Well, and it You're- was just after Lance made a... You know, he made something happen on third down. He got, I think, seven or eight yards, got him to the one. So, yeah, you would have thought with the flow of of how things were going that they would have gone.
1: Well, and the one thing Lance looks good at right now is he's a big, strong kid with strong legs and he can push the pile. So, you can't get, I mean, to me, he's like one of the best quarterback sneak quarterbacks just on that alone. (laughs) Maybe only behind,
2: maybe only behind Jimmy. And Tom
1: Brady. Yeah, Jimmy's good at it, too. But, I mean, this is a bigger, stronger kid who pushes the pile. He almost looks like a fullback. So move the pile on fourth and one. Take the momentum back. I thought that was a crucial mistake. And then Aziz Al Alshair. I mean, come on. Justin Fields slides down, you go helmet to helmet, that extended a, a bear's drive. So, ultimately I think a couple takeaways. One, on the positive note, Trey made some incredible throws. Um I thought he looked really really good at times. And I expected him to look raw. And and the things that he didn't do well, that's what young quarterbacks do. They hold the ball, they stare down receivers. Um you know, they lose track of defenders. That's why young quarterbacks struggle. But I thought Trey really showed his poise in horrendous conditions. And then Talanoa Hufanga is, uh, is a burgeoning star. Man, he looked terrific. Uh, Debo Samuel ran over Eddie Jackson on that touchdown. That I was mean, awesome. just buried him. That was fun. I will say though, Debo, upon rewatching,
2: you know, he had some great runs, and you know, he always gives it his all. But he was getting zero
1: separation. The only receiver yeah. that was really getting any separation at all was Juwan Jennings. Though I. Used on a couple of those over routes got, got separation. Elijah Mitchell looked really good. I thought Charverius Ward looked like a true number one corner at times. Javon Kinlaw, especially early in the game, looked overpowering. Uh, Juwan Jennings I mean Juwan, you put Juwan Jennings on a football field and he's just going to compete I thought he was impressive and made a couple really nice plays and then despite the penalties Greenlaw and Al Shayer at times were totally dominant versus the run so they just have to minimize their penalties those are great young players they just have to minimize the penalties so where are we I mean Shanahan is now two and four this is year six of Shanahan he's two and four in week ones um, I think one of the things that that surprised me in this game was the Niners' defense held the Bears to 26 total yards on their first five drives, but then in the fourth quarter they were st- struggling to stop Khalil Herbert in the run, and and he went untouched into the end zone um, on a touchdown on a touchdown that made it a two score game. So it was a crucial defensive stop, and they couldn't get it. Um, I don't want to see the Niners run uh, Trey Lance on these power runs where he takes hits. To me, you're volunteer. I I don't want to volunteer hits on the quarterback. And to me, design quarterback runs do that. I mean, that's one of the biggest. I would say to me, it's more about a debate about a number. What I mean, you're going to run your quarterback at times, especially somebody as physical as as Trey. When, what would you cap it at? I would say three or four designed runs per game max. And if they're, if they're quarterback sneaks, that's fine. Uh, if it's fourth and two, third and whatever, short yardage, that's fine. Two or three times a game max, not nine, not 16, like we saw in the Arizona game. Um, and, and then I say the overall takeaway outside of you know Hafanga just looked like an incredible player was that teams are gonna are gonna rush three and rush four and drop seven or eight into coverage and make Trey Lance prove that he can be accurate as a passer make him p- prove that he's a pure quarterback from the pocket prove that he can be accurate and we're gonna find out if he can do it I mean um, he missed a lot of passes in this game he's a young quarterback I think he'll miss fewer as time Time goes on but that's what teams are going to do to him they're not going to speed him up you know you have two options with young quarterbacks speed him up and hope they make a mistake um, and not find the open guy but Trey processes well and he's a smart kid and he understands what he's seeing pre-snap so it's really for him not about the processing Uh, it's more about the accuracy after he's processed what he sees and he knows where he wants to go. How accurate can can he be with the football? And that's going to improve over time. But right now, he's missing a half dozen of those. And hopefully, as Steve Young said this week, you, maybe you can take that from six to three and from three to one. And you know what I mean? Take that down and, and work on that. But that's his challenge, uh, Ry, is that he, they're going to drop seven or eight into coverage. Uh, they're going to make, they're going to have all kinds of defenders out there and they're going to demand that Trey throw into tight windows. And his accuracy is going to be. Uh, is going to have to be improved or he's going to struggle.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think his processing is still a little bit of a work in progress. I bet certainly it's better than Justin Fields. I got to say, just watching the tape, he certainly processed better than Fields. Um, my big question with the running is like, was that part of Shanahan's game plan just for today because of, or I mean, not today, because of, Sunday with the conditions uh, or is that something he is going to do going forward I guess we'll find out in this next game versus the Seahawks um, as far as like the defense goes you know we're, we're giving a lot of slack i'm personally I'm giving a lot of slack to the receivers running back trey I'm giving a lot of slack to the offense because of the conditions but we're not really giving any slack to the defense. I do believe that the defense deserves some slack, layer. I, I You know, the second—I mean, the first half they were completely, utterly dominant. The second half, I mean, there was the two busted plays. The one play was honestly—it was Fields being—it was doing what he does. He, you know, runs a four-three. He's—he's has had a ton of time back there. He's rolling out, and—and and, you know, you just. You just can't, the defense can't hold up. The secondary can't hold up for that long. So, you know, that was honestly just a really good play by, by, by Fields. And, um, as far as the penalties go, that has to be cleaned up. But also, you know, that's an it's tough. I mean, Fields is not a guy like Lance that's going to run into you. He's a guy who's going to get down and slide. And w- with the way the conditions were, I mean, it was, there was a few of those were tough. Like with Greenlaw, there's a few where it was like, you know, Fields goes down and it's like, what, what is Greenlaw supposed to do? Like
1: you can't even touch. Touch the guy now after a slide, but again, I'm not going to blame it too much. I, I mean, mean the, to me, I hate to say it, I, yeah. I blame Shanahan and D'Amico on those. I mean, yeah. where's your team's discipline? Where's your team's poise? You have to know the line. That's what coaching is. You got to explain to the players where the line is, how the game's going to be officiated. Um, that, to me, that one's on Kyle, and or at and, least make and adjustments. Tim, and, and really, more specifically, it's on D'Amico. He's yeah. the defensive coordinator. If if your guys are making those kinds of undisciplined plays, you got that means. You haven't emphasized that enough in practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aziz Al Shair, he—it's like love him, hate him on the next play. I mean, he stuffed David Montgomery with a huge solo tackle yeah. on second and four to set up that third and one, and then you know he—he he personal fouls helmet to helmet on Justin Fields when Fields was sliding down. That was the third fifteen-yard penalty on the Niners of the game on defense. Where's your team's discipline? Where's your team's poise? Um, You know, and to me, I mean, not only did he, did he, cost the Niners, you know, the drive had to continue. It also, he also got hurt on the play. I think he had to be checked for a concussion after that play. So it was a bad play all the way around by Aziz. It was a little overzealous. The Niner linebackers are awesome, but they just have to dial it in a little bit because that's the way the game's going to be officiated. You're not getting, I mean, just... Don't go out there thinking don't go out there playing to live for the detonating hit on the quarterback. Yeah. Because the detonating hit on the quarterback has now been legislated out of the game. And you're gonna wind up doing we saw this at the end of the hardball era as the rules were beginning to change. Mm-hmm. Hits that were you know, Brooks had a great hit on Breeze in the in the Superdome, but no, they it looked bad and so he got the penalty. That's where the league is going. They're gonna protect the quarterback at all costs and and defense be damned. So stop living for the detonating hit on the QB because in more times than not, you're not going to get away with it. It's like you almost need two things to happen, right? You need to hit him perfectly. And then you need everybody to not legislate the impact of the hit, but just the target and it leaves yourself open to penalties. And it just, they got, you know, I thought some of them were ticky tack. The first one on green lawn, the that sidelines, you know, you got a 220 pound quarterback who's right there in bounds and green. Greenlaw dove at him on a wet field. And, you know, kind of Ned didn't really hit him, him, just kind of went over the top of him yeah. and caught him with his knee a little bit. And all of a sudden it's like personal foul. So, yeah. And, and, just, and, you know, it's just a different way the game's being officiated. And Dan Dan actually brought up on the immediate post
2: game and we both kind of shut him down. The, the idea of how much of this is, you know, the lack of playing starters in the preseason. And I kind of scoff at that. Like, oh, come on. You know, the smart guys, McVeigh, he always does well in week one. But if you look at this year, I mean, The teams that their philosophy was not to play starters in the preseason all came out sloppy. The Packers for the second year in a row came out super, super sloppy and undisciplined. The, uh, you know, uh, who, who, who's their, their coach that moved to, uh, Denver, Hackett, Denver Denver came out looking, I mean, Seattle played their guys in preseason and Denver looked like, I mean, honestly, it looked like Hackett could have uh, used some preseason time himself. It's
1: it's a great, it's a great question. That's the really the trade-off. Do you, would you rather have um, your guys like in rhythm, like looking at Geno Smith to go 23 of 28 in week one against the Broncos, you could see he's in a rhythm. Well, you know, Pete made the point. Hey, look, he looks the way he looked in camp. So in other words, you're right. I mean, they they uh, they played their guys and they hit the ground running or the other side of the coin is, hey, would you rather sit your guys out and make sure that your money is on the field come week one? Maybe your team's a little rest, a little rusty, but it's a long year. And, you know, the Rams just won the Super Bowl doing the extreme. Yeah, which is sitting almost all of their regulars throughout the entire of the preseason so I think you're going to see more teams go in that direction because the goal is not to be fresh in September the goal is to be peaking in December and yeah. January yeah it's like four different seasons um and then that point you made on Josh
2: Allen you know we kind of were, were you know going back and forth on Trey and I guess my, my thing is like it, there's and we are going to get to this as a topic later in this podcast but you know it's like they're doing two things at once i guess i think that the reason why i was critical of trey right off the bat and why you know i know a lot of people are like oh come on you know it it, it just makes sense he's going to take a long time but the my issue is like that's what i thought coming in and there's a lot of people that thought, OK, he's going to be a clear upgrade over Jimmy G. You know, uh, th- he's going to come in, like hit the ground running and at least be able to, you know, do 90 percent of what Jimmy does. And by the end of the year, who knows, he might be like a pro bowl level guy. Um, and the Josh Allen comparison is great. Like, I think I think he is on that track. And I do think he's going to get there. But the problem becomes, you know. It took Josh Allen a couple of years and this is a Super Bowl ready team. So how long do we stick? How long do the Niners stick with the Trey Lance, uh, you know, experiment if they start losing ball games or I mean, my biggest concern is I think that they can win a ton of games with Trey Lance if they're playing for in front. When they start getting behind, that's, you know, that's uh, to be determined. We got to see him be able to come from behind. And I mean, I think it was unfair to ask that of him in the fourth quarter of a torrential downpour. But, you know, we'll, we'll see going forward, I suppose.
1: You know, I I think it's also as much on, uh, you know, people want to put it on Trey. I'll put it more on Shanahan. I thought the game plan against Arizona was not great uh, in Trey's first start. And I thought the game plan against the Bears and and the combination of that, it was a conservative game plan. It was a run-heavy game plan. Um and I thought there were some overroutes there. I thought there were some opportunities there. I liked what I saw from Trey throwing it down the field. But then the conditions impacted the thing dramatically as the second half wore on. And if you look at his numbers, I mean, at one point, he was 8 of 14 in the third quarter. And the Niners had a, had a lead. Um, and... And you know there was, was I think it was ten nothing ten nothing 49ers, and he was eight of fourteen at that point and then that's when the skies started to open and j- the water started to impact the game and I'm not saying the water through the pick he stared down his receiver Eddie Jackson made a play on the ball you know but I mean a rookie quarterback at 22 making his third start when it, when he's the most inexperienced quarterback to enter the league in the first round in like four decades. Gets picked in week one by a savvy veteran safety who read his eyes. Shocked. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Come on. I mean, that's that's like par for the course right there. All right. Before we get into our debate topic of the week, which Ryan has hinted at, the Niners have two goals. Uh, and that is develop Trey Lance and win the Super Bowl this year. Those are their two goals. And it's clear as day at this point. And we're going to get into that uh, coming up in a few minutes, which goal is going to take priority, which goal should take priority. How's the whole thing going to play out? But we just talked a little bit about Bears Niners, and obviously there were, we gave you our takeaways. Um, there were a number of people around the NFL, and this is going to be a weekly occurrence, by the way, because the 49ers with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo are far and away the sexiest subplot of, of the National Football League, regardless of team. We're covering the 49ers, but people everywhere, they're talking about their team. And then they're talking about Garoppolo and Lance and the 49ers. Yep. And you think, well, that might be over, overstating it. No, it really isn't. It's a, it's a drama made up of, of an ascending young quarterback. Um, a quarterback that's taken his team to the Super Bowl, arguably one of the NFL's deepest and best rosters a Super Bowl contender and this is a in a major market and this is one of the bigger debate topics in the NFL so what happens everybody's got an opinion on Trey Lance on the international man of
2: mystery (laughs) yeah everybody's gonna
1: park their car at Trey Lance and just die and just go off on it why because it gets hits and it gets traction and people like talking quarterbacks and ESPN loves talking quarterbacks and Everybody wants a way in and of course there's gonna be uh, comments on both sides uh, of uh, you know of how goods Trey doing. some people think he's a disaster and will be replaced be you know three four weeks other people think that he's you know an MVP candidate at the beginning of the year Lewis Riddick was describing him as, as a potential MVP candidate. I think that was probably overstating it, um, and and yet there are people like Peter King, who's pretty respected, who, who's come out and said that he will be replaced by Jimmy Garoppolo by week seven as the starter. So there's a lot to get into on Trey Lance, um, and we'll debate that topic in a minute. But let's get to some of the overreactions yeah. and listen to them, and then we'll comment on those.
3: You know, you can deflect this and say this was on penalties, but this game should have been close. I mean, the Niners were by far the better team on tape. They were by far, but they 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 couldn't do anything. There's going to be growing pains and at times it's going to look horrific, but he's, he's got to be out there. I mean, Why? Why you got to put him out there? I mean, you, you went drafted to the Super Bowl him. with the other guy. I mean, Kyle's 38 and 43 as a head coach in the regular season. 31 of those wins came with Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's 7 and 29 as a head coach when he doesn't play Garoppolo. Like, you're going to lose the confidence of the team. We can all masquerade this, but the defense is playing a doubleheader out there. You know, and you're <laughs> running the ball. They must have run They must have run more jet sweeps than ever, right? Yes. I mean, they're, they're, they're running jet sweep. I mean, they ran the ball effectively. You can tell that he was not comfortable at any point during that game there. But I just think that they made the bet on Trey Lance in April of 2021. So by hook or crook, this is the situation that they've put themselves in. There's a thing called sunk cost fallacy, you know, and and what you're, you're you're playing into that since we did it, we got to keep going. But at some point I would say, Kyle's going to blame it on the penalties. Okay. That gets you through week one. You lose another game. Let me tell you something. You put Lance's on tape now. These defensive coordinators are too freaking smart. They see the same thing I see. Hey, he's throwing to the guy he reads. When that game, when they got behind nineteen to thirteen, and it became a pass game, watch that tape from that point forward. Watch that game. That's when you have to evaluate the quarterback. When it became, I got to throw it. Can you? Can I throw it? And he couldn't. How about the people that bet Trey Lance for MVP? Like seriously, I think can those I send are dead. you? <laughs> Can I send you St. Jude's number, please? Uh, they call me. St. Jude's calls me at least once a week, you know, for a donation. Can I send you those people that number? And can I send the people that were recommending that? The, can I send them some? some? You know, like, seriously, where did you come up with that idea? As you said, this guy hasn't played enough. And now you he think he's going to go from not playing to the MVP of the National Football League? You got no respect for the NFL when you make that statement.
0: Trey Lance. Number three pick. I think it's the right pick. I think he's a bigger, stronger athlete than Mac Jones. I know Trey. I like him. I think he's a really good kid. This is 6'4", 220, big arm can run. He has as many starts as Mac Jones. But unlike Mac, didn't have the protection, didn't have the receivers that were wide open. Every scout I know, every executive I know loves this kid. This is the move. I'm sorry, but I can't go low ceiling with Mac Jones. Can't do it. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, baby. Kid earned it. Couldn't be happier. Can Trey Lance play? You can blame the weather, folks, but if a pilot crashes a plane, you can't go, well, it was raining. You got to be able to land a plane in rain and you got to be able to play a court. You got to be able to play football in rain. Brady spent 20 years playing in Foxborough. Blizzards, wind, cold. You got to be able to figure out how to land a plane in that stuff, and you got to be able to play quarterback in that stuff. I don't want to hear about rain. Justin Fields had to play in it too. So I've got evidence now. Last year, two starts, this year's preseason, and yesterday. That's a lot of evidence. Trey Lance completes about 50% of his throws. That's it. You can't start in this league at 50%. I want to change gears here and get to Trey Lance
4: because we mentioned how you can't draw too many conclusions right now. Let me let me add a little bit onto that. If you were playing in a monsoon and the first time the team has been handed to you and George Kittle is not playing and you're not running the ball like you traditionally have run the ball, maybe let's not get carried away that Trey Lance didn't look fantastic in that football game. I, I went back and, and charted it and watched it, Buck. Um he had some nice throws on some deep overs before the monsoon took over. Um, some of the issues that he had are easily correctable. Like for instance you're playing in wet weather and they were trying to throw some smoke screens and he didn't get a grip on the football. So you see the ball kind of float out of his hand. He missed some of those. He had a handful of drop passes um, you know, design quarterback runs. He had I, I went through and there were nine runs. I think he had eight carries, but nine runs. So they had a couple quarterback powers, couple zone reads, a couple quarterback draws. Uh there was a sneak uh in there as well. But I'm watching this game and I'm watching how this unfolds and I'm saying, okay, let's get George Kittle back. Um let's play in a little bit uh, normal weather and then Let's crank up the runs a little bit. You you talked about Jalen Hurts the other day. What do you have, 15 carries, 18 carries, something like that the other day?
3: Seven. Like 17 17 Trey carries Lance. of the
4: night. Yeah, Trey Lance, that's the blueprint right now. Until he can get a little bit more comfortable, let's let's use him more. Let's run him more. And when I look at his mistakes and some of the things, like they, they, they dropped a safety down and robbed, and that was his pick. He didn't see the late rotation, and they got him. That's just playing. He just hasn't played. So when you get that 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 catalog of reps and you start seeing things, you know, not just for the first time, he's going to be fine. I just want everybody to kind of just slow down on this this panic. That, oh my gosh, they're going to go right to Jimmy Garoppolo. They tried to give Jimmy Garoppolo away for a, for a ham sandwich. They couldn't get anybody to give him one. I would just like to think that it's an ongoing evolution. Cal uh, Shanahan is trying to figure out how to play with the young quarterback. The young quarterback is trying to figure out how to play in the system, and they're also trying to integrate the pieces around him it'll take time let's check back in four weeks let's check back in eight weeks yeah
5: let's see how he's progressing throughout the season I know this he can only go up he can only get better because you can't get any worse than what he did today I'm just shocked shocked at the Bears I mean they took this quarterback they went up and spent a lot to get him and he was he was less than remarkable would be the kindest thing that you could say about him I don't know if I've ever seen such a bad performance by a quarterback in his opening performance of the season. Like He was just completely awful. He really deflated the football team with his performance. They just, you know, when you get a quarterback, they can't do anything at all. And defensively, you shut him out basically for a half. You kind of lose hope, you know. Right now, they're a team without hope. I want their, I want their eyeballs. Yeah, I've never seen anything about this kid that was encouraging at all. He really has to plan himself to make a good throw. Uh, He's not a quick decision guy. Every shot in the rear about him being a, a mobile guy, making plays with his feet. He looked like a fullback stumbling around trying to run the ball to me. I mean, he's not Lamar, you know. So. I don't know what he is. He, he's not particularly a good guy running the, with the football. And based on what I saw today, I mean, he, he missed two guys completely by themselves. Uh, I know it was in the rain, but your quarterbacks do that. You, you make those throws. Um, I know this. He can only go up. He can only get better because you can't get any worse than what he did today. Uh, I've never liked him. I still don't like him. Um... I don't know, I'd like to know what he does so well because he, he's not a great passer, doesn't have good skills, takes a long time to set himself and throw the football, misses easy throws, and he's not a particular runner other than that. he's a hell of a player
2: wow okay uh well we just heard some sound from uh mike lombardi on the gm shuffle podcast we heard some sound from colin cowherd a little bit uh right after they they picked him and uh i believe that was a twitter video and then uh led into uh the the segment you know uh, discussing lands for the week then we got um a little bit more of a reasonable a reasonable take i would say from uh the great
1: I'll shoot. Um no, spacing on his name. Daniel Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks. Yep. Yep, yep. Well, I mean, okay, and then Mike Martz there at the end. Yep. Um a lot of interesting stuff there. Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff. This All is why right. they're let's, so compelling. Let's talk let's start with Lombardi. Uh will Shanahan Shanahan lose the locker room? Well, I think we're down in the locker room. The The one thing that we can say about the guys who just commented, Lombardi, Colin Cowherd, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Mike Martz, is that none of them, I haven't seen any of them in the locker room. No, So we are there, uh, and they aren't there. And all I'll say is to a man, they appear to believe uh, in Trey Lance, Trey Lance is a very popular guy in the room. Every guy who you ask about Trey Lance um, looks you in the eye and gives you a very earnest, we believe in him. I haven't seen any indications of anybody not believing in Trey. But I'm also not naive. And the NFL is a win-now business. And it really comes down not necessarily to how Trey plays. It comes down to the wins and the losses. If the 49ers win games, Trey will be afforded um, a very long and, uh, you know, learning curve. And he'll be given a lot of chances if they win games. If they lose games... The hue and cry will be from the media and from the fans and maybe even a few voices in the room that the season can't be lost and, um, you know, get Jimmy in there. But is Jimmy a significant upgrade from Trey? That's the baseline question. And I would say the answer to that is no. Um, but I thought Lombardi. That is the question. Will Shanahan lose the locker room? I do think it's interesting the stat that Lombardi threw out that Shanahan, as a head coach, is seven and twenty-nine with any quarterback that's not Garoppolo. If that if that number's accurate, that's a pretty daunting stat. Uh, but it also speaks to how bad the number two quarterbacks have been in San Francisco. Uh, Lombardi also made the point that that Trey stares down his receivers and he has spotty accuracy and he questioned his confidence and then said that Kyle tried to take the ball out of his hands by running it as much as he did. I don't think there's any doubt that Trey needs development. He does stare down his receivers, so do a lot of young quarterbacks. His accuracy is spotty, so is a lot of young quarterbacks. Um, He can't manipulate defenses with his eyes, and he really needs advancement and development on that That trait, that skill, which is quarterbacking 2.0 or 5.0. I mean, it's not, you don't just, you're not just born with that. So he's got to play more for sure. He needs more experience. So that's basically what he was saying. um, And that Shanahan will lose the locker room if he stays with them too long. I'm not sure when there is a point and we'll get into this next segment, but there is a point where they won't be able to keep going with Trey if they're losing games and Trey is the reason They're losing games. Yes. But if they're losing games and Trey's not the reason they're losing games, Trey's going to be in there. And I think he's got the full support of the players. All right, then let's jump to Coward. Um, You know, he basically asked the question, can Trey Lance play? But we also heard Colin Coward on draft day saying, this is the man. Yeah. And now here we are three games into the career of the most raw first-round quarterback we've seen in our lifetime, and he's done a 180-degree turn. And now you know rain is not an excuse. And I've got evidence now. I've got evidence. I've got evidence. Two some, two games
2: last year where he was thrown in, and then some preseason games. And then so I don't know.
1: I don't know what Cowherd's got going on. I know a lot of people have questioned the, the fact that his daughter and Lance may have yeah. dated, but I, I'm not going there because I don't know anything about that. All I'll say is that is a very quick. This is the this is the move on draft day to three games into his playing career total one eighty. Who what is he? Can he play? Um, the rain's not an excuse. I mean, it wasn't rain. It was a it was an absolute monsoon. So, and then the whole idea that trade that uh, Justin Fields handled the rain yeah. and Lance didn't. By the time the rain had come, the Bears had timed it perfectly. They had gotten a lead. They basically stopped throwing the ball. They just were handing it to Herbert. So the Ra- Bears were running it in the rain. In the, in the biggest part of the rainy day, they were running it. And the 49ers were looking to play catch-up and had to throw the ball. So I think that, that does impact things. Okay, so now let's jump to Jan- Daniel Jeremiah. Um, he points out that he played the monsoon, that he played without Kittle, that he played the second half without Elijah Mitchell, and that Trey made several nice throws on the deep over routes. That there were a handful of drops. Now, is it, it the drops on Trey or the drops on the receivers? He doesn't throw. He throws a very, you know, a high speed wobble, which is sometimes can be a difficult ball to catch. So some of those drops may be on the quarterback. Um, and actually, surprisingly, him and Bucky both agreed that they want to see more. Designed runs, I to me want to see fewer designed runs. Yeah, but or
2: he, at least a different. Like, stop running power with Trey Lance. Well,
1: stop designing runs. I mean, if you want to use him in, in as a quarterback sneaker, that's one thing. But don't design runs. If you design a run on a, for a quarterback, he takes a hit every single time. If you let him scramble, I mean, he's going to take off and scramble because of the struggles of your O line, and just because he'll get impatient in the pocket, as many young quarterbacks do, and so how many times realistically when do you want him running in the game and if you have nine or ten designed runs and then you got a half dozen plays where he scrambles now he's running 15 16 17 times a game that is not a sustainable offense no. you cannot sub and you got to ask risk reward um they're saying run it more i'm not risking this player um by running him more i mean uh, to me he hasn't played um you know i i think it's you know i love jeremiah said hey look he hasn't played he's going to be fine and then he pointed out that no one wanted jimmy g that they couldn't find a trade partner for jimmy g so um you know, and then Bucky made the point that the 49ers are still kind of experimenting with who is Trey Lance. And that's what it feels like. What is like. Trey Lance? Yeah. And he says, check back in four to eight weeks. So of all the, the commentary, I thought theirs was the most balanced in that. I don't agree with the idea for more designed runs, but I would. But I have no problem seeing Trey scramble. But I do think you're going to see improvement in the next four to five games. And I do think they're kind of experimenting with who is he? How do we utilize this special talent? Um, how do we utilize Trey's talents and put him in the best position to succeed? Um, but I thought I want to see more of those deep over routes. I want to see the Niners become more of a down the field passing attack. I'd like to see Danny Gray be activated and then challenge Seattle down the field several times, uh, in week two. So, and then, and then the March thing. The March thing is really bizarre because he just was so incredibly negative. So scathing. I mean, so scathing. What does he do well? He looks like a fullback uh you know i've never been a fan i'm still not a fan i'm you know i mean he couldn't say more negative things he now his technical breakdown was that trey needs to plant himself to make good throws um You know, he said, I don't know what he is, So, and there's no question because we're still seeing, I think the 49ers don't know exactly what he is yet. He questioned the accuracy, but then he went on to say he's not a great passer. Um, He misses easy throws. I've never liked him so he basically and then he made it at the end well other than the fact that he's not a great passer and he misses easy throws and he runs like a fullback and i have no idea what he you know i don't i never liked him ever other than that he's great you know it's like so i all i'll say is martz seems like he was like somebody put him up to doing like a negative rip video on two on, on quarterbacks and he just went at it because and why do i say that because he was on 95.7 the game in august and he didn't have any negative things to say about Trey Lance. So now, based on one start on a rainy day in Chicago in Week One, and a little bit of preseason stuff, suddenly you're totally off the, this quarterback. That seems a little that seems a little knee jerk to me. Um, but what I see more than anything is I just see a young quarterback that needs some needs some time, and that kind of leads us into our whole next topic, which is. How do the 49ers do both of their goals this year? How do they how do they you know, develop Trey Lance and have the goal of winning a Super Bowl? And does one of those have to take priority over the other?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And what I'll say about all of those interviews is if you kind of take out the extremes of everybody and you kind of just look at, OK, what is the common thread that they're all saying? Really, they're all saying, I don't know what he is. I don't know what he is. He's super raw. He has all these traits. I don't know what he is. There's no precedent for a guy to come in so unproven with no, you know, legitimate big time college tape. And now all of a sudden he's the starting quarterback for maybe the most deep, most talented roster in the league. So you can have a lean like Lombardi that they're, they're leaning. Well, I don't know what he is. And I don't think he's going to figure it out this year. I don't, I don't believe in that. Jeremiah is like, I don't know what he is, but let's give him a little bit of time to kind of show what he can be. Uh, it, it just. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think that the b- main takeaway is just everyone needs to lower their expectations, but also let's not go crazy. He he's going to develop, and this team is so dang good that I mean, God, if they played that t- Bears team in the turf, or I mean, uh, uh in a dome, and it was the ex- exact same game script, I think the Niners win like thirty-five to you know eighteen or so. I I'm not sure,
1: but well, it's all- it's also kind of makes you wonder. I mean, who are the premier young quarterbacks in the game today? You know, okay, It's forget Brady and Rodgers and those guys. You say, who are the premier young quarterbacks in the game today? I think there's three, right? Maybe four. Maybe five if you want to throw Watson in there as well. Because yeah. Watson, he might be his own category, but he's a special talent. There's Joe Burrow. There's Justin Herbert. And then you got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Well, some of those guys like Josh Allen, were, were pretty raw. He was raw at Wyoming. He completed like 50% of his passes. He struggled early on. Um, Mahomes has been a far better pro player than he was in college. Uh, Burrow obviously was a record-setting player in college. But, I mean, the, the point is just that a lot of times these guys have big-time physical traits, Herbert Mahomes and Allen specifically when I think of them they all have the big arm and they're athletic um and 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 it's like so you have guys who have traits that you're then coaching up Trey Lance has incredible traits he's a big strong kid um he's smart he football's important to him but he hasn't played a lot of football and it's going to take some time And I think what my common denominator on all this thing was accuracy. You know, his accuracy needs to improve. And he needs to be able to move. I mean, one of the things that, like, Brock Purdy can do right now is he can move the safeties and manipulate the safeties with his eyes because he understands, as a veteran quarterback, how to do that. Uh, As a guy who's played a lot, I say a veteran, he's a rookie, but a guy who's played a lot of football – he understands already how to manipulate safeties and move safeties with his eyes. It's something that Rodgers does, you know, expertly. Brady does expertly. Well, that's a learned skill. And that's 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 you know that's something that Trey doesn't have right now. So he's going to have to develop that. And that takes time. That takes reps. So how, the question then becomes, how much time will the 49ers give him? How much time should they give him? Um, Should they prioritize winning over Trey's development or should they prioritize Trey's development over winning in 2022? That's really the question. I think you got to always prioritize winning. And so even though you want Trey to develop, um, you got, you know, Trent, Trent Williams is 34, And you got a bunch of guys in that room, you owe it to your football team more than you owe it to the feelings of your young quarterback to do what's right for your team. But then the question then becomes, how much of an upgrade is Jimmy Garoppolo really going to be? on Trey Lance at this point. And eventually, you got to think Trey Lance, if he improves with the the ability that he has, the mobility, the arm strength, so on and so forth, that he will be a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo. But there's nuances to the position, like manipulating safeties with your eyes, and everything's happening at a million miles an hour. So there's no guarantee that Trey's ever going to get there, um, but he's not going to get there if he doesn't play. You know we kind of know that so what what would be your answer rye if i say we all know the niners have two goals develop trey lance win the super bowl which is going to be prioritized i think that there there is also
2: a third thing that is to, to be kept in mind and that is you know if trey is not ready to compete and take them to a super bowl as the season goes on you also can't you, you can't destroy his confidence. So that's another delicate thing that's in the balance. So, you know, it, you have to prioritize winning. I think you give Trey Lance, you know, whatever it is, six, eight games, as long as they're winning ball games, even if he is, you know, isn't, you know, coming from behind in victories, if they're just ahead in these games and they're, and they're getting wins, I think you stick with them. Uh, you know, when I close my eyes and I envision how a, a Super Bowl season goes, for this team, I think it's going to include Jimmy Garoppolo at some point, but guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt nearly every year. So you can't destroy Trey's confidence of Trey. If Trey, you know, if, if Jimmy, if they go from Trey to Jimmy and then Jimmy gets hurt down the stretch. We, you know, it's Trey Lance. You need Trey Lance. You need him mentally to be there for a playoff run. So it, it is. It's just so dang confusing. And it's like we, we compared it to, you know, the Golden State Warriors this year. I mean, they, they threaded the needle. They, they, they were able to develop and they won the championship. And a lot of people criticized them for, you know, keeping Kaminga and Wiseman and all these young guys and not trading for a proven star. And guess what? They look like geniuses now, but you only look like a genius. If you win the Super Bowl. So, um... I'm not sure. I also think that another underrated thing, and Larry, I give you credit. You, you, you really brought it up in the post game is Kyle's play calling. I think Kyle, in addition to Trey, Kyle needs to kind of figure out. He's, he's developing an offense around Trey Lance. He's used to Matt Schaub, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, you know, and then he had RG3 for that one year, but RG3 is a different kind of runner than Trey. It seems almost like he's treating Trey at times like he's RG3. And Trey, you know, he's not a fullback running back there, but you know, He's not Lamar Jackson. He's a good runner. He needs, but he needs, I mean, they're not going to win if he can't throw from the pocket. So um, I I just, you know, I I think that the most responsible look on this is everybody lower their expectations a little bit. We got to give it six to eight weeks, see how the offense develops, see how Trey develops. And you know what's interesting about Trey and what everybody, uh, you know, opinions or not, I think of it kind of like, you know how they tell you that, you know, let's say your kid is in eighth grade and they're like, okay this is a good time. You should you should really get your kid to learn Spanish, because what happens is as you're growing up and you're, you know, I guess, I don't know the science behind it, but your brain's not all filled up or whatever. You know, if you're growing up and you have a nanny that speaks Spanish, you'll just pick it up at six years old. But then if you put an 18 year old that's like about to go off to college and you tell him that he has to learn Spanish, it's going to take him longer because he has like stuff in his brain already. I think of Trelin. Is like a six year old, and and Kyle Shanahan is his nanny. I think that he has the ability to pick up so much more and improve so much more um, than you know a guy like let's say Brock Purdy or Mac Jones that's already kind of has an established identity and has done it. I feel like he is a he is marble, and Kyle Shan, Shanahan thinks he's uh, I don't know Michelangelo, whoever you know does those statues, and I think he thinks that he can kind of mold him into the perfect quarterback um the perfect you know new age quarterback that will fit this offense and the offense will grow alongside trey so that is that's that's the hope i think and um i know i just rambled a lot there Lair, but what is your thoughts on, on on this kind of conflicting agenda
1: well i mean i would like to see fewer quarterback runs and more moving the pocket and using his mobility dash left dash right roll left roll right move him out of the pocket use his mobility to 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 you know, because I to me he's not a runner per se. He is a guy who's got mobility within the pocket, and he can um, he can move and dodge defenders. And I think that's an imperative uh, skill going forward when you look at how athletic NFL defenders are. But he should be a guy that instead of running him, use his mobility to move the pocket and move and then keep his eyes down the field and then make and then attempt more down the field throws. I want to see that. I want to see, I don't want to see nine designed runs and I don't want to see quarterback powers. You want to, you want to do quarterback sneaks or some read option stuff, uh, maybe a couple bootlegs, you know, and short yardage and that kind of thing and use his mobility, get him on the perimeter, fake the run inside, bootleg away from it, that kind of stuff where he's one on one with a defender. I don't mind that, but no more of these drop him, you know, he's in the shotgun at three yards deep and you. You're power running him with no lead blocker, like he's going to pick and slide, like he's Marcus Allen in a short yardage situation, or he's going to be a power, you know, like a Larry Zonka move the pile with his. Fullback. I mean, I don't mind seeing him as a quarterback sneaker, maybe, you know, some as some runs like I've described, but I'd rather see them move him as far as move the pocket, let him keep his eyes peeled down the field, and do what Jimmy didn't do well last year. Jimmy was never a good late-in-the-down thrower. He was like a first-read guy, otherwise his percentages went way down. I think Trey could be the opposite. I think Trey can be a guy that might be able to bust contain, create a few extra Kind of like the Debo play he made in the Texans game yeah. last year where you know he he broke outside the pocket, gave himself a nice little landing spot, still uh, looking downfield. Debo frees himself up, and then Trey takes that arm strength and just throws a laser down the field. I think that, that there could be a lot of big plays there for the 49ers. So that's what I'd like to see. I think overall, though, people just need to be more patient yes Joe Montana was in the 79 draft he did not play every day sat behind DeBerg for a long time he did not play until 81 he had his he was the starting quarterback in 81 where that's when he became the full-time guy um, You know, Trey needs some time to – and he, Joe Montana played at Notre Dame and was far more uh, developed a quarterback than Trey Lance. Trey Lance is an incredible athlete. He needs development. Um, Hopefully, Brian Greasy is the right quarterback coach. Hopefully, Kyle and his offensive coaching staff know how to bring along a young quarterback. But I'd like to see, to me, giving the defense nine hits <laughs> on your starting quarterback – is just not smart risk reward. And I and more importantly, I do not believe it's sustainable. So it it's one of those things where if the goal is to get Trey hurt, then keep running him fifteen <laughs> times a game. If the goal is to develop him, then run less and and move the pocket more and use his mobility to give himself more time to make plays down the field and take more shots. Activate Danny Gray. Uh, I realize, you know, you've got special teams concerns and you can only have so many receivers up but Danny Gray with this particular quarterback is a game-changing receiver and I think they need to activate him and go to him
2: yeah and and, you know I'll say this about Trey I was actually a little concerned about Trey's running last year just in the two games he played I was kind of like what is his is he really even that athletic like I I mean he's good athlete but you know he was doing a lot of things that looked like he was you know getting he was Playing a game at North Dakota State this year, watching, rewatching the tape, rewatching the coaches' tape. I gotta say, his running. If you looked at Jeff Wilson, once the game started getting sloppy with the rain, the guy couldn't cut. He couldn't. He couldn't get more than two yards. Trey Lance actually that was the best rushing i've seen him do and the most wiggle he's had and the most athletic he's looked and that was in the rain so i actually think that he will show now that he's a little bit more comfortable i think and in a little and he realizes you know you can't just take on defenders in the nfl uh, i think that his his mobility is only going to improve and i really I was really surprised to see that, you know, it wasn't a lot of funky spirals. There was a few where they slipped out of his hand in the rain, but that's to be expected. He actually had a lot of touch on the, on some of these passes that I was not expecting and, you know, good spirals. And so honestly, as an, I was kind of negative after the game and, and, uh, maybe that's a little bit that's that maybe that's my own issue is with I, I just got, you know, I hated the way that everyone well, look, the Niners should have yeah. won that
1: game. They should have won the game. They I mean, Mike Lombardi said it, they should have won that game. They were far and away the better team. They're yeah. not gonna, and guess what? They're not going to have, you know, they got a bears team that basically had no offense and they still couldn't, they couldn't put that team away. Yeah. You, now this week they're getting Geno Smith. He's got a lot more momentum going as a passer, better receivers and a more developed offense. Offense, And then things start to get... And then you start getting into the the Brady's and Mahomes' and the Stafford's and the Kyler's. They're all on this schedule. These teams are going to be able to put points on the board. Can, can the Niners and Trey Lance score points? At the end of the day, you can say what you want. You got to score points and you got to win games. And so how long can they go with Trey Lance and develop him if he's not scoring points and they're not winning games? That's the question. And I would say... It's it's really that that's the 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 one question that only Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch probably know the answer to how willing are they going to how far down this road are they willing to go developing Trey Lance if by chance they're scoring, you know, they're not scoring 30 a game, they're scoring 14 a game, and they're not winning games. And they're losing games and suddenly, you know, their Super Bowl season is going down the toilet. How, you know, is it, is it two weeks? Is it three? Some people think it's two weeks. I mean, if they, I people yeah. tell me this week that if the Niners lose to the Seahawks and the offense is in any way part of the reason, um, that, that they'll look to move to Jimmy Garoppolo. And I, I, to me, that would be shocking and that would be knee jerk, but, you don't get a lot of time in the NFL to develop. I mean, I think when I watch Trey Lance, I've got a couple thoughts. One is he's he's a great prospect, a great prospect, strong, willing, wanting to get better, great athlete, um, can take hits, really athletic, uh, a lot of arm strength, a lot to like. But also, it's going to take some time. And it's not necessarily going to be in an instant. And it may not even happen this year. I really believe that Trey will get there and be great. But, you know, I brought up Alex Smith before. It took Alex Smith a while. I've brought up uh, Vinny Testaverdi. I've brought up names like Eli Manning. These guys all became Pro Bowl quarterbacks, but it didn't happen overnight. And so there's no law that says that Trey Lance has to be good overnight. Um But unfortunately, he's fortunately or unfortunately, football is easier for Trey than it is for some of these other quarterbacks because he's on a better team. But there's also way more pressure and scrutiny to produce and produce now because you got a Super Bowl ready roster and everybody's not going to wait for you to develop. So uh, I liked what I saw in game one, even though there were a lot of inaccuracies. Unfortunately, get ready for more rain on Sunday because from what I'm reading, it's an 80% chance of rain in Santa Clara Ugh. for week two, Niners Seahawks. So get ready for another rain game and we'll see if Trey can handle. I don't think, uh, I think the field that Levi's will drain much better than Soldier Field did. I can't imagine the conditions will be as bad, but you still may deal with wet conditions and a wet football um, and We'll see, you know, in a lot of ways, Geno Smith is not near the quarterback prospect of Trey Lance, but he's also been through the rigors of, uh, you know, several NFL seasons and he's a veteran and he's carrying some momentum into this game. He was 23 of 28. So he's a number two rated quarterback on PFF.
2: Not that that's the gospel, but you know, it's an indicator.
1: Yeah. So get ready for another tough game. And, um, and, but I would say, you know, I would say the the goal has to be winning over Trey's development. The question is, will Kyle Shanahan feel like going from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo gives the team a better chance to win? Or are they losing games because of other reasons? Uh, and then will he stay with Trey? going to be to me it's the it's the defining question of the 49ers season is which one takes priority development of Trey Lance who they obviously have invested a ton in and you could argue that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are totally wed to this quarterback and their futures are tied to his success but they could also you know they could also have a lot more patient fan base and I think people overall will be a lot more patient if somehow they won the Super Bowl and I think deep down they understand that dynamic as well, so um this decision of when to how long to go a tray and how long to prioritize his development over winning a Super Bowl it's the question of the year
2: no it, it absolutely is and with that as a backdrop uh you know I guess we've got to get into predictions for 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 this next week. I will say <laughs> one comparison I gotta make uh, to this situation is. All right. I, I don't know if you've ever, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen Apocalypse Now, there. Yes, I have. Okay. So there's a great, long time ago, long yes. time There's a excellent documentary on Apocalypse Now and, uh, how Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, it just literally, they, they, making the movie was like being in the movie. Charlie Sheen went insane. He had a heart attack. People were going crazy. Oops. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm Stan or uh, Francis Ford Coppola. He had some money from the Godfather movies. He invested all of his money into this project. And by all accounts, everyone said it was a disaster and going over budget and taking too long. And they're in, you know, in in a different country working with that is what it feels like to me. It feels like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are Francis Ford Coppola and Trey Lance is their apocalypse. Now they have everything invested in him and there's going to be reports about how it's not going well and all this craziness. But ultimately, I believe in those guys. I believe they will get it done. I believe in Trey. I think that this thing is going to come together. And with that as a backdrop, we get into this upcoming week versus Seattle. And I'll say this, you know, it's stupid to say something's a must win this early. But if, we, if, if you want to keep playing Trey Lance, this is a must win. I fully expect there, there could not be a better spot for a monster game for Trey Lance and the 49ers. The Seahawks are on a short week. They are coming off an emotional win over Russell Wilson. They have all, you know, they, they, there's that fog of, of winning. And guess what? You can't. You, you just can't imitate uh, desperation. And the Niners right now are hungry and desperate to prove that last week was an aberration. I fully expect the Niners to come out and whoop the Seahawks. Uh, my score prediction is going to be 28 to 15. I think Trey Lance has a great game. I think Shanahan dials up some deep balls. I expect Danny Gray to be involved or if not Danny Gray, somebody else. Um, I think they're just going to have a monster game. I think the defense is going to be huge. I think turnovers. I think that Uh, this Seattle team you know this is just how it goes if you're if you're looking for if you've not used the Niners yet or uh, hopefully you haven't in your uh, survivor pool I am putting a stamp a lock the Niners win this game I'm not sure if they cover the spread but they are going to win this game rain or not and Trey will play well
1: um you know i i think the 49ers are a dangerous play in week two now it all sets up for the 49ers it really does i mean as you said Seattle uh you know traveling and and the 49ers um you know at home and and you know this i i just think this is a it kind of sets up for the 49ers to have a real bounce back and then when you look at that spread you know it's it opened at eight it went to ten now it's back down to 9. Um, I like the 49ers to win, but I think it's going to be a nail biter. I think it's going to be a, uh, a you know 21-17 still more of a low, lower scoring game. I think 49ers will find a way to beat Seattle at home, but there'll be still questions going into week 3 because I just think there's they they're not you know Trey's still going to miss some passes. Um the 49ers don't have Elijah Mitchell there's a very good chance they're still not going to have George Kittle did not practice on Wednesday we are taping this on Thursday we don't know his status for for uh, for the game but there's a very good chance you're not gonna have Mitchell or Kittle and you're still gonna have Trey uh, tra- trying to you know complete passes um, I don't know if Danny Gray is going to be active or not I'd like to see him active but um, I think I think Gino and the Seahawks, you know the the Seahawks have owned the 49ers granted it was all been with Russell Wilson but I think the Seahawks are like eight and one or something like that in their last nine against the Niners um I'm gonna I'll I'll say the 49ers get a win but it's more like 21-17
2: okay I I like those predictions and uh you know the last thing I kind of want to touch on before we get to Jimmy Ward who uh gave us a great great preview and a great breakdown of the Seattle, you know, how to, how to defend those, uh, Tyler Lockett and DK and man, Jimmy Ward's just the best. But, um, I, what do you think's going to happen with the running backs? Cause I saw, I think it was Barrows. It might've been Mayoko reported that in fact, uh, this whole time during camp, there has been a competition between Ty Davis price and, um, Jordan Mason, to be that third running back now to be the second running back. And that actually the reason why TDP was inactive was because Jordan Mason beat him out in camp, which is what we kind of all saw. I mean, Jordan Mason guys got, he's got elite balance. He, he looks like a monster. It's just, it's weird because his college stats weren't phenomenal, but it, it's going to be interesting this week. I think there's a battle between Mason and TDP and uh, whoever you know, practices the best. Uh, we're going to see him, at, that person, active, and I, I expect them to get a lot of touches uh, to compliment Jeff Wilson.
1: Yeah, no, I mean Wilson's going to get the first crack, and then um, you know, Kyle Shanahan has pointed out that Mason and and Ty Davis Price will battle it out. They also picked up Marlon Mack, and oh, I I've love heard, Marlon Mack. I've heard people suggest that they may activate Marlon Mack. Uh, other people feel like he's just there for depth, and they won't activate him. But I think it's um, it's really between those three guys: Mason and Mac and Ty Davis Price. So, um, I think Ty Davis Price is probably the best of the group, you know. And I and and yet I don't know if he's as trustworthy as Jordan Mason. Um, Jordan Mason did look good, and he had you know he averaged five point two yards a carry his final year at Georgia Tech. I like how hard Jordan Mason runs. But I think Price is a little bit more breakaway speed. Mac may even have, despite his injuries, may even have more speed than Mason. I'm, I'm not sure who to predict there. To be honest, I, no. if you if you said, uh, um, you know, who do you think it's going to be? I guess I would lean towards uh, Jordan Mason. But I personally would go with Ty Davis Price. I think Ty Davis Price is is a is a is a more of explosive back a little bit more speed I liked what I saw as far as his effort in camp when he was in the pass blocking drills against the linebackers there were several times where he stonewalled Fred Fred Warner and Warner's a you know a Pro Bowl uh, linebacker so um I probably would lean with Ty Davis-Price. It sounds like they may lean with Jordan Mason, but don't rule out Marlon Mack. Check for that on Saturday and and make sure you, if you're looking for this going into the game, it's one of those things you're going to have to study it right, right up to kickoff with the inactive list and see who's made active, who's made inactive. Do they call up Marlon Mack from the practice squad? Does he get the run? He's the veteran. I mean, the safest play would probably be to go with Marlon Mack. But... Um, they, it sounds to me like they're going to go with Mason. Uh, so, that being said, I'll say it's Ty Davis Price.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, I would just say if you're trying to play a 49ers running back in fantasy, just don't. Just wait a week. Uh, I think this is uh, the whole backfield is going to be really clarified after this week because, see, you can run on Seattle. You saw Denver was. Gashing them with Williams and and uh, Melvin Gordon, so I expect a lot of gashing, especially in the rain. And I think we'll have <clears> the <throat> the the running back position a little bit figured out.
1: And with that, um, let's go to our uh, interview with Jimmy Ward. You know, it's funny. We thought, who do we want to bring to the podcast this week? Who's going to give us perspective on a loss? And when you go into the locker room, it's very difficult. To get a good perspective on games. Why? Because, um, if you win, guys oftentimes don't want to f- dwell on it because they know, you know, you're, you're only as good as your next performance. So they don't want to gloat. They don't want to pat themselves on the back. Um, So it's hard to sometimes get guys to talk after a victory. After a loss, it a lot of times becomes a a blame game and they'll never point the finger at a teammate, nor would you ever want them to or expect them to. Uh, They don't like fingers pointed necessarily at them, so... I thought Jimmy Ward would be perfect. Why? Because he is one of the best players in the NFL, uh, one of the absolute leaders on this football team, incredibly smart, incredibly candid, and he did not play. He is on the IR for the first four weeks of the NFL season. So he saw the game and watched the film and obviously cares greatly about, about the team on both sides of the ball, but he didn't play. So... In a way, Ryan, I think it's almost like the best guy to talk to because it's not the criticism. If any you know thing could be perceived as criticism, it's not personal. It's not directed at him. It's like more clinical. It's like, yeah. hey, you're smart. You know football. You weren't out there one way or another. If you were, I'm sure things would have been better since you're one of the better players on the team. But give us your clinical analysis of this loss and where this team's at going into from week one to week two. Big game with Seattle on Sunday. Sunday. So in a lot of ways, I thought, you know what? Jimmy Ward is the guy that we want to talk to this week. And man, he didn't disappoint, did he? No, he did not. And
2: uh, with that, we'll lead into the unfortunately, we can't include the beginning of the interview. Very, very beginning. He made a hilarious joke about uh, dropping down to a jockstrap to get camera ready that uh, Trey Lance thought was hilarious. And we all thought was hilarious. But I made sure to cut that out to protect the man. All right. And with that, uh, here's Jimmy Ward.
1: Alright, we're in the Niners locker room with one of the veteran Niners, Jimmy Ward, and Jimmy uh, obviously a tough loss for the team in week one, you weren't out there, but and they missed you, I'm sure
6: uh, give me your perspective on it because I'm sure you have one uh, You know, we just we try to contain the quarterback uh, the defense did a great job, but uh, you know, eventually, you know some, sometimes something happens and a you know, bus play here or there and the guy, you know, he's he's getting paid too, he's, he's a really a phenomenal talent, uh, and he ended up making a A few plays, and I feel like uh, if we could have, you know, limit those those big plays, and we could have came off with the win, but we didn't the busted plays I mean the one to Pettis what's I mean who
1: is there a coverage blow up there was it Greenlaw read the line the running back underneath
6: what was the bust on that play just a total breakdown man that's what happens you know kind of with these scrambling quarterbacks man. when they can extend the play and you know the zone can only hold up for so long man coverage can only hold up for so long so I just feel like it was just uh, Justin Fields just being him you know being uh, Justin feels what can you give the young guys in your room to
1: help you know kind of get beyond week one and focus on week two because you've been through it before
6: and you know the clock's ticking and there's no real time to dwell on the loss uh, really just you know it's a long season yeah you know pitch a uh, best foot forward and, and look ahead and you know focus on next week you know each week is going to be a new team with a new scheme you're uh, you're a guy who, hit, you know, a lot of people say
1: hits like a linebacker, covers like a corner. What part of your game do you enjoy more? It seems like you love blowing people up, but then you do have that man-to-man coverage ability. What, what do you think your
6: greatest strength is as a player? I like both. It just depends on the type of players I'm playing. Uh, some guys, I, I like I like to do both. Like if I'm playing against a guy like DK or, or Lockett, I, I like to cover them, but I also want my my coach to call a play where I can just blow him up to let them know my presence here. and they will not they won't, they'd be scared to catch the ball if they know somebody right there is about to hit them in their rib cage or their patella. You know, a lot of guys don't 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 get up too fast if you hit them in the right spot of the knee, or you hit them in their rib cage. Uh, that's just my mentality. Like, uh, but I love the cover too.
2: <laughs> hey Jimmy, uh, uh, how did you feel to get recognized on the top 100 players list? I mean, I saw you know sherm has been preaching on on Twitter, and I guess through his new podcast. You know, he's, he's always talking you up. He's like, man, that guy's going to be all pro this year. So uh, how'd that feel, and uh, does that add any extra confidence going into this year? It's
6: cool. I, I really did the same thing. I just got more turnovers. Oh, shout out to Sherman. I appreciate it. <laughs> I sure that's my guy, though. But, nah, it, it was cool to actually make it on the top 100. I didn't think they was going to pit me on it. Uh, that's why i be coming out each year trying to kill somebody. <laughs> just because I'm like, okay, I play against y'all. Y'all didn't vote me in? Okay. We'll see about it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever day that is. When my coach dialed it up and I get an opportunity. I'm going to make you feel it just for not voting for me. And I'm going to do that again just for being 96. So you tell me there's that many other safeties better than me that can cover better me and hit better than me. So we'll see this year when I get back on the field. It's Seattle. Week. Give us something on, on DK or on Lockett. They're different receivers, but they're dangerous receivers. Lockett fast. Uh, he's going to do more more posts, more corner posts. They like him in, uh, with the double moves. Uh, DK, he's more he's stiff, so it's just going to be nine balls, comeback, slants. He's a big body. They don't want Lockett they don't want him coming in the middle nowhere, trying to catch balls because he doesn't weigh as much as DK. So that's kind of how they're gonna use both of those wide receivers. Uh, like I said, DK he can take more of a hit. He can take more hits because he's a bigger body, and Lockett can't take so many hits. So they're gonna keep him on the outside and make him run double moves and corner posts and posts stuff like that. What
1: do you think of the tight ends? Parkinson six
6: seven. Disley's a veteran. They used both of them most this last week. They gonna run trick plays with them like uh, a versus my safeties I don't I don't feel like they get open and the man covered so going, if they catch the ball it's going to be in zone like I don't I don't see them catching too many balls with the safeties how we cover here Mooney and w-
1: uh, Womack added to the secondary. Obviously to me, that was my takeaway from week one is just how scary the Niners secondary potentially can be. What do you think of the new additions?
6: Oh, I love them. Sammy is a ball hawk. Mooney, you seen what he, he just did. Like Justin Fields, I, th- I feel like the head coach just told Justin Fields just to throw the ball up to see what happens. And he threw the ball up twice on Mooney's side and the ball wasn't catchable from neither side. So you see what he brings to the table. He's a big body and, and he- can tackle too, so that's, that's a great addition to the team.
2: I know uh, turnovers are a bit of luck, but it uh, was that an emphasis at all this year? Like, you know, get some more picks. Seems like in the Shanahan era, uh, you know, haven't been as many interceptions and turnover ratios. A little.
6: Low. Well, we switch some calls up. We're gonna be nice. To, we nice. we, we, we switch some calls up. We're gonna be able to see the ball more in the, in the, in the back end. It's like it's it's hard to catch it's hard to catch picks in man cover. Yeah. <laughs> like we we be fighting for our life, so it's hard. But zone coverage, we can see the ball. Like when we switching it up and some of the calls that he has like you see how uh uh Huff caught a pick early yeah. in the game you yeah. know that's just i just feel like that's only a taste of uh, what we we're we going to do this season i, I feel like we're going to get our uh, hands on a lot of ball ness and linebackers including and you never know you probably see some d line and get some <laughs> i got
1: I got to ask you about Huff i mean you've been you've been with the team for a while he's impressive man he is impressive and it, to me what's impressive is how he diagnoses so early the the mesh point on the handoffs the run plays and he aggressively attacks give me your thoughts on his progress
6: seems like every time I watch him he's better that's an instinct bro he has something that you can't teach and it's him watching a bunch of film that makes him even more faster and then he's understanding what he's gonna get he understand if this guy blocks engaged on the D end if it's a double team you know he can he can play fast and that's what he's been doing like this first game Oh, even in preseason, he's been playing fast. He hasn't been hesitating. No hesitation in his game, and it's normally that's normally who wins—the guy who doesn't hesitate in his game. And it's all film study. It's all based on film study, huh? It's all based on film study. It's the coaches coaching them up pretty good. Uh, coach CU and, and Coach DB—they coaching them up pretty good. And it's Huff being Huff. You know, Huff is a tremendous talent. Does he have the best hair on the team? Uh, yeah, definitely. He, y'all need to go. On, that, tell all right, that, that does it from the
1: campaign. Tales from the Bay <laughs> <laughs> podcast, <laughs> edition no, thanks, number man. two. Thank you. Larry Kruger and Ryan Smith. Hope you enjoyed uh, the dialogue on the 49ers. Hope you enjoyed Jimmy Ward. How good's Jimmy Ward? Oh my right? gosh, I, I love Jimmy Ward. Ugh, I got. I want to see that guy out there, man. And it was really interesting to hear all the criticism and uh, kind of report cards on Trey Lance. We may make that a regular on the podcast because <laughs> I get the feeling that. You know what? Everybody who talks football for a living is going to develop an opinion on Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the 49er quarterback situation. And this is going to be the gift that keeps giving yes. to the podcast. So we'll continue to bring you that. But I thought a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, I don't agree with everything I heard from Michael Lombardi or Mike Martz or Daniel Jeremiah and uh, Colin Cowherd. But you know what? Um, It's interesting. It's all thought-provoking. It definitely makes you kind of critically, uh, you know, break down what they're saying, why they're saying it. Make It makes you filter them. It makes you wonder about some of the points they bring up on the quarterback. And uh, yeah, I'll say this. It's the most exciting story in the NFL, Ryan. You and I are lucky enough to be able to uh, to capture it and discuss it and break it all down right here on the Tales from the Bay podcast week after week after week. Sunday
2: cannot come soon enough. All right. With that, uh, I'm Ryan Smith, Larry Kruger, uh, and that's the Tales from the Bay podcast week two.